0: I wonder sometimes how, uh, or what is the greater sacrifice? When we sing words like this, when we sing oceans and we say, we'll hold our eyes above the waves. I wonder if that's harder to do when you think you're sinking than it is when you think you're flying. I'm going to be honest with you, this wasn't part of my preparation. This is a revelation I've had this morning that in my own life I have find it harder to keep my eyes on Jesus when things have been going well in my life. When things are going hard, it's also a challenge, I'm not saying it's easy. Divorce or financial ruin, struggles in a career, and a friendship, or a relationship, <clears throat> struggling with man flu. I've got some water down here, Tim, it's fine. Sorry. It's just a frog in the throat, we're going to have to put up with it today. It's hard, but you always get yourself to that point where you surrender it back to God because ultimately you don't want it, right? I'm going to surrender my man flu, my frog in my throat. I'm going to surrender my credit card debt. Don't worry, I don't have any of that. I'm going to surrender my sick mother. I'm going to surrender that broken friendship. Why? Because I don't want it. It's so easy to surrender things to God that we don't want. I wonder how many of you are so quick to surrender things back to God in your life that are going well. Because, you know, we're going through the book of Acts at the moment. And right at the end of Acts 4, we hear a story about my favourite character in the Bible. We hear about Barnabas. I think I've told you about Barnabas before, haven't I? When I was in rugby, the youth group used to call me Barnabas. And I had Barnabas written on the back of my hoodie. I had a little club mascot teddy bear that the elders met in our elders meeting. Yes, we really did do that. A little teddy bear called Barney, because Barney's short for Barnabas. But he's my favourite character in the Bible. It means son of encouragement. And right at the end of Acts 4, we, we pick up on some stuff to do with Barnabas. Somebody great wrote the, uh, the heading, sharing all things... Acts 4:32 says, "Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did any one say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked, for all who were possessors of land or houses sold them, and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold." and laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed to each and everyone who had need. Joseph, also known as Barnabas by the apostles, which translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land he sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. This is not the woman with the two copper coins, This is not a character in the Bible who had nothing and a great sacrifice decided to give the little he had in the hope that the Lord would bless him. No, he had an abundance. He was likely a businessman. He had land. He chose to sell it and lay it at the apostles' feet. He didn't choose to sell it, give it to the pastor of the church and say this is for the food bank or this is for Christians against poverty. Or this is for the, the conference that's coming up. There were no strings attached to this gift. He saw there was a need. He trusted the apostles. He had the means. He sold it. He laid it at the apostles' feet. And he let go. He said, I trust you. That's hard. I'm not, I'm not going to stand here now and tell you to sell your houses, by the way. I'm only saying that because you're here Um, (laughs) I'm not asking you to sell your houses I'm talking about an all-submissive heart one that when we say we surrender all we mean it remember that funny YouTube video we watched a couple of weeks ago I surrender some I surrender some no We're not interested in some, are we? We're interested in all. And here my favourite character, Joseph, named Barnabas by his friends. Do you know the first time I I came to this revelation about Barnabas, how cool is it? Because we often give people nicknames, right? I'm not gonna tell you what my nickname is for you. But we often give people nicknames. And it's normally of the thing that they are most well known for. Some are very kind, some are not very kind. But this guy's friends decided that his nickname was going to be the Son of Encouragement. Do you know one of the most honoured days in my life was when the pastor of my church up in Rugby, Andrew Scotland, came to me and said Do you know Ricky, you have many spiritual gifts but the one that stands out to you most is you have a Barnabas spirit. You're like the Son of Encouragement. Wow! I was so blessed. That is the kind of nickname I want to carry. That is the kind of nickname I want to give each of you in living word. I want you to be the son of encouragement. I don't want you to surrender some. I want you to surrender all. Undeliberately, I'm going to open my eyes now. Because as I said, I went, uh, I went a little off course there. But I think that is for us. We are going through the book of Acts. I thought this would be a really good opportunity for us to stop and take track of what we've learned so far. Remember we had family service, we sat around the tables, we had bacon sandwiches, and we talked about what Jesus had done. Yeah, we talked about the gospel message. We talked about how the apostles got together and chose Matthias to replace Judas. We then talked about Pentecost. What an amazing day. I did that with the the youth. They are good fun. I bet you didn't have balloon races in here. We had lots of fun when we did Pentecost. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They've committed signs and wonders. Last week, Peter healed the lame beggar at the, at the door of the temple. Peter and John preached, but were challenged in the Sanhedrin. Many people were saved. And now we're here. They're sharing their possessions. You know, in the Bible, we often hear about uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. It's not a, uh, an untainted version of events. We hear something good, we hear something bad, we hear something indifferent. Sometimes there are gaps that we need to uh, pray and fill in ourselves. But on this occasion, we've, we're going to follow a really good story and a really good example, by one not so good. And I want to highlight to you the difference, because it isn't necessarily obvious the first time you read it. Because as soon as we get into Acts 5, we hear about a couple called Ananias and Sapphira they too had some land and they chose that they too would sell their land and lay it at the apostles feet they saw I'm going to give away my point now but they saw how Barnabas' gift had been received they saw how generous Barnabas had been and said do you know what, I want a piece of that the ministry really thrived when Barnabas sold his land laid it at the apostles feet there was nobody in need Barnabas was like a superhero, guys. This was an incredibly generous and selfless thing to do. So where's the difference? A certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. And he kept back part of the proceeds. His wife also being aware of it and brought it apart and laid it at the apostles' feet. Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? And keep back part of the price of your land. If you're familiar with the story, Ananias has, has come before the apostles before God and lied. He struck dead on the spot. Dead. A pretty infinite punishment. He wasn't flogged. He wasn't cast out. He wasn't told to stay with the unclean for 30 days. He died on the spot few hours later, as the guys who were burying the body came back into the temple, there was Sephira saying exactly the same thing. Yeah, this is the money we got, and I laid it all at your feet. The same boys carried her out and buried her dead body too. So the sin, was it not giving the full gift? I don't know how much this stuff costs, I never never went into that research, but let's say it was a hundred thousand pounds. And let's say Ananias and Sapphira came forward and said, we got 80,000 pounds. Here's 80,000 pounds. I don't know about you, but as a leader of many charities, the leader of the church, I would expect a gift of 80,000 pounds to be received with open arms and say, thank you for your generosity. I wouldn't expect that person to drop dead, would you? Because the sin wasn't the generosity. The sin wasn't the holding back of a part of what they had the sin is that they tried to steal the glory they tried to say to their brothers and sisters the apostles that were in front of them is we've given you everything everything we sold it it was ours to sell you didn't ask for it you didn't make us sell it this is not uh, communism I was listening to David Paulson on the subject There's many people that refer to these scriptures and start calling this communism, communal living. Nobody has their own possessions. Everybody has something. Everybody has according to their need, I think is the the mantra. I'm not a communist. I don't particularly know the, uh, the ins and outs. But this isn't communism, because in communism there would have been no private land. In communism it would have been an instruction, the land is now ours and we shall sell it, so that we can feed the poor. This isn't communism, this was a choice that Ananias and Sapphira made. I'm going to sell this property, this possession, and I'm going to give it. Actually, should we hold a bit back for ourselves? Good idea. I don't know their financial position, maybe their bank account was empty. Maybe they needed some cash too. Again, not really the point. The point is that they were trying to steal the glory. By saying, I surrender all in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Guys, I love you dearly. I love each and every one of you. Don't lie to the Holy Spirit. It's a strong message. I hope I've been here long enough for you guys to receive that in the love that is intended. But don't lie to the Holy Spirit. Don't tell Jesus he's got your life if he hasn't. Don't tell the Holy Spirit you're going to surrender everything to him if you're not going to. In 2018, will you be struck dead? I don't know. But we know that Ananias and Sapphira were. We live in an age of charity. Have you noticed that? The church used to be the the forerunner for helping the poor, the sick, the lonely, the lost. But we live in an age where everybody seems to be a a one-a-part of a charity. Sometimes I have to look twice when I get requests for uh, sponsorship. I still sponsor them, don't get me wrong, I, I love them to bits. But they say I'm going on a mission trip and you realise this with a secular organisation. And they are going to go and do some wonderful things and again, I'm going to still sponsor them. But they've sort of presented it in a very similar fashion to the way the church presents mission. There's a couple of different mindsets in the world we live in. There's the mine is mine, I'm sure we all know some people like that. There may even be some people here, I hope not. But what's mine is mine, I've earned it, I deserve it, it's mine. We live in a capitalist culture, right? It's mine, I deserve it. You might call it entitlement. I hope we don't have any of these in the church, but what's yours is mine too. What's mine is mine, and what's yours is mine. Difficult message, but... I can say this because I kind of fall in that bracket of millennial. There is an entitlement culture. In 2018, we live in a culture where there are some people that kind of go, what's yours is mine, because I deserve I was going to share a video, but it would not have gone down too well with any millennials in the room. How about this one? How about this mantra? Will this fit your lifestyle? Will this fit your Christian lifestyle more? What's mine is yours ever said that what's mine is yours peter you can have it keith what's mine is yours carly what's mine is yours is that the christine mantra oh you lot are too clever you're not going to fall into my trap are you come on you could have at least entertained me what's mine is yours no that's where the world is at right now actually not not everybody There's a mixture of these people out there. But there is a whole group of people that are actually saying, no, what's mine is yours. Actually, communists, that's part of their belief, is to share what they have with those that are less fortunate. Those that have need, I'll share that with you. There's lots of charities out there. What's mine is yours. You see it all the time. I saw an advert the other day for a dog charity. I love dogs. I wouldn't have one, I don't have time. But have you remembered us in your will you know when you die leave us your house so we can look after these dogs okay it's your money um I'm sure people love dogs more than i do i think they're great fun i'm not going to leave them my house in my will but there's a very generous culture in the world okay what's mine is yours that exists so what's different Why is that not the Christian mantra? Why am I trying to get you to fall into my little wordy trap? Any guesses on what our Christian mantra should be? Along these lines, what's mine is mine, what's yours is mine, what's mine is yours. Oh, hallelujah. Oh man, this is a well established church. I love this. You guys have done good teaching in the past. What's mine... Is his. That's the mantra I want you to live by. That's the mantra I try and live by. Okay, I've been very honest with you since I've come and I want to continue along that vein. I never want to have to hold anything of me back from you. Do you know the toughest times in my Christian life have not been when I was sick, have not been when I was going through divorce, has not been when the company was falling apart around me. It wasn't when I was drunk in a ditch, wasn't when I got arrested for being drunk and disorderly. These are not the times. These are the times I turned to Jesus and I prayed, you can have it. (laughs) I surrender all this back to you. I surrender him. Those weren't the toughest times in my life. Do you know when God spoke to me audibly for the very first time, the words he had for me was, Ricky, have you had enough? Do you remember? I shared my testimony with you months ago. I said, Ricky, have you had enough yet? And I said, no. Do you know my current circumstances was my business was thriving. I had a brand new Mercedes on the driveway. I lived in my own home. I was in a, what I thought at the time was a successful relationship. That was the darkest time of my life. There is nothing wrong with those things, by the way. But those possessions are not going to bring you happiness. If anything, they're going to blind you to your need for God. Sometimes it's in your abundance. You need to turn to Jesus the most. It's when you don't think you need him, is when you need him the most. It's hard for a rich man, isn't it, to enter the kingdom of heaven? Jesus taught us it. Brian, Keith, and Tim, can you do me a little favour? Because we're going to do a quick fire. I know you'll all have your Bibles on you. Can one of the, uh, Brian? Can you pull up 2 Corinthians 9, 6 to 10? Keith, could you bring up Matthew 6:21? Tim, could you bring up Matthew twenty-three twenty-three? Sorry, can you give that verse again, please? Two Corinthians nine, six to ten. Anyone else got their Bible? Carly, you've just volunteered yourself. Thank you very much. Carly's gonna read two Corinthians nine, six to ten. In quick fire then. If we could read Tim twenty-three to Matthew twenty-three twenty-three. Right. 23. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You give a tenth of your spices—mint, and mint, mint, cumin—but you have neglected the more important matters of the law: justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. Without neglecting the former. Carly, two Corinthians nine six to ten. reap bountifully. Each one must give as he is decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves the church giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiently in all things at all times, you may be abound in every good work, as it is written. He has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. And verse 10 as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Keith? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Oh dear. Oh dear. you trouble, aren't you, Keith? Always. Oh, i'm sorry not you i have i repent where your treasure is it's where your heart is the lord he knows us doesn't he do you know the second most commonly talked thing about in the bible other than love money Do you know that it's mentioned over 800 times in the bible money do you know why because god knows us god knows the way we were made It's important to us it can become our god it can become our mammon what i'm hoping to get across to you guys is that when god created everything who did it belong to in the very early days god created the heavens and the earth who did it belong to god himself he gave it to us didn't he He gave it to man woman it's yours To rule over. He gave it to us. But whose was it? It was his. Things started to go wrong, didn't they? Adam and Eve. Some murders, some apples. See, how many times have I told you this about fruit? It's not good for you guys. Okay. Some stuff started to go wrong. So what did he ask for? He asked for some of it back. I'm really paraphrasing now, okay. But he asked for some of it back in sacrifice, didn't he? And there's loads of verses about it. Don't, don't farm to the edges of your field tell that to Gary up in Letchworth or Lutterworth or wherever he is okay to so give to the poor sacrifice, tithing is an Old Testament principle, we know that, we believe in the New Testament principle now but it was a law back then it was you have to do this as your atonement for sin have you ever seen that before, it was all God's, he gave it all to us, when things started to go wrong he asked for a little bit back do you know what not going to go through the whole of the Old Testament but God sent his son as his Redeemer for everything he's had he's done so what does he want back in return the clues in the title everything doesn't want a bit of it back now he wants everything good bad ugly I'm going a little bit away from Acts 5 now as you can probably tell but he wants the ugly too he wants your sickness He wants your pain, he wants your depression, he wants your grief, he wants your money too. He doesn't necessarily want you to literally go to the bank, empty your accounts, put them in somebody else's coffers and go, here you go. No, 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 that would actually be, if I'm honest with you, really easy. Because it's a momentary gift. Because I'm going to get paid again at the end of the month, right? I'm probably gonna get some benefits or somebody's gonna give me some more money. So it's a momentary gift. No, no, what what this means is he wants your money. All of it, forever. Yesterday, today, and forever, he wants it all. Because if you don't give it to him, you're in danger of worshiping it yourself. I know some really wealthy Christians. There's nothing wrong with money. Sometimes wrong with what you do with it, okay? but i think it's a lot easier when you have nothing to say i surrender all than when you have loads and say i surrender yeah a little bit it's no good i think something we um, we're guilty of as christians i certainly i'm guilty of it maybe it's why my friend came to see us today is that we're always seeking a perfect church aren't we we're we seeking a perfect church. I know when I go to a new town, I'm seeking out how how best is it to do church? Is it with a drummer? Is it with a guitar? Is it with a keyboard? Is it with a singer? Is it in a Wat Tyler country park, or do we need our own building? That's a controversial issue here, isn't it? Do we need our own building? Does it have a youth group or a coffee morning? Does it have a toddler group? Is it the same preacher every week or a different preacher every week? Do you have to bring guest preachers in? You have to have really comfortable chairs so everybody feels warm and at home or really uncomfortable chairs, so they're a lot easier to get up and start dancing. We don't talk about this in elders meetings, honestly, I trust you, we don't, but we're looking for a perfect church when we make decisions. Certainly as elders, we go back and we look at this church as the perfect church. I'm not going to say who said it or how many times it's been said since I came here, but every time we look to review something, it okay, well, what okay, what was the New Testament church like? <clears throat> Broken, flawed, full of liars and cheats, murderers and sinners, just trying to muddle it through and figure it out. What was Jesus like? Jesus was perfect. Next time we talk about how we're going to review the church, talk to me about... Oh, what would Jesus do? Remember those bands we used to have around our wrists? It's easy, isn't it? Don't mean you've still got one. <laughs> what would Jesus do? Talk to me about what would Jesus do? I think I'm gonna be a bit more receptive. What's the New Testament church like? Well, it was broken. We've got some lessons to learn there, we have. And there's some really good stuff in there. And we really should look back to that New Testament church. But don't make it out to be some perfect church. There is no perfect church in 2018 there was no perfect church 2000 years ago you know the problem with church is it's full of people we're sinners we're broken we have ideas and agendas of our own church is full of sinners it's a broken place we should always aspire to be perfect i'm not questioning that but i think in in a day and age where we all seek perfection good to hear sometimes that actually jesus loves you the way you are doesn't have to be perfect all of the time he knows you're broken he knows you're suffering he knows you're in pain and he wants you anyway he wants you guys we've talked about a lot of uh, people so far a lot of people stuff a lot of choices a lot of decisions Acts 5 continues. It's almost like a game of two halves. As a football fan, I'm allowed to use analogies like that. It's a game of two halves. Because the second half, from verse 12 to 17, stops being what people were doing. Starts going on to what God was doing. How much did the church grow when they laid all their money at the apostles' feet? It doesn't say. It may have grown a little bit, actually. By doing the right things, we would expect that to attract other people. But when God turned up and started doing signs and wonders and miracles, they grew, their number (coughs) grew. How many times have we said recently that actually it doesn't matter what program we run or what initiative we have, what kind of coffee we serve at the back, the kingdom is not gonna grow by serving coffee. I want to see heaven on earth we pray Jesus taught us to pray on earth as in heaven your will be done on earth I want to see miracles on earth I want to see provision for the poor I want to see the sick healed Brian my lifelong ambition can I tell you this as a child my lifelong ambition was to have a Ferrari That was my lifelong ambition. I wanted a Ferrari. Do you know my lifelong ambition now? I want to stand in front of a certifiably dead body and have a conversation with it five minutes later. I want to raise the dead. Jesus said we can do everything he did and more and he did this. I want to see signs and wonders in Basildom if we want to see this time transformed, if we want to see this church transformed, if we want to see the kingdom grow, we are not going to do it with an academic argument. We are never going to persuade an atheist that we are right and they're wrong with words. I would struggle to lose an argument if I raised their dead grandma or a boy in the street. I want to see signs and wonders. Faith comes by hearing it, guys. I want you to look at people today who are seeing miracles. I want you to pray for them. I want you to believe them. And then I want you to go and perform them. And when you do, it's yes, cool. Not to do them for you. And they're not that kind of church. You're the army. We're just pointing you in the right direction. I want to see you doing it, okay? I want to see you praying for the sick. And I want to see them healed. Life got a bit tricky, as you'd imagine. I think that would happen for us, don't you? If we started raising the dead, 3,000 people turned up to Watt Tyler on a Sunday morning. And We're not talking about second service here, or are buying our own building, okay? We're talking about, I think we would probably start to attract a bit of the wrong attention too. I think the persecutors would come. I think the newspapers would come and claim that we were fraudsters, that we were somehow lying or uh, misaligning the truth. I think we would have the police come. If you had 3,000 people turn up to a church on a Sunday morning, you'd probably need the police to come. But I think it would start to attract the wrong attention. I think I would probably get in trouble. I think you'd find me, Keith, Brian, Tim. I think we would be getting questioned quite heavily by some maybe guys, black suits, white shirts, black ties, dark sunglasses, what's going on here? Yeah, I love that film. I think we would be persecuted. Yes, that was a men in, why are you laughing? It was a men in black quote in church, that's allowed, I'm sure. The apostles were doing what Jesus taught them to do and the authorities came, Basildon Town Council came with the police and they said, what are you doing? What are you up to? The religious leaders of the time, do you notice how political that was? I didn't mention anybody. the religious leaders of the time came and said you can't teach that that's not what we believe the Sadducees and the Pharisees they were not happy with this they, this is not what we believe today the message is a bit different isn't it but just like we heard in Daniel a few weeks ago where Meshach Shadrach and Abednego. We're threatened if you continue to do what you're doing, and if you don't worship our God, we're gonna throw you in the fiery furnace. And what did they say? Go on then. Tell her in Essex now. Go for it. My God is gonna save me. What do the apostles do? Who are we gonna to listen to? You or God? How is that not the same message? Come and have a go if you think you're hard enough. My God is bigger than your God. My God is bigger than your law. I'm not gonna lie to you from from here and say, if you start doing these things, you start proclaiming the gospel, we start seeing signs and miracles, there is every chance, every chance, that you are gonna be persecuted for it. Not necessarily in the ways that they were in the Old Testament, not necessarily in the ways you might imagine. Perhaps you might lose some friends. Perhaps your company where you work might take exception. Perhaps somebody from the community might start saying things behind your back. You gonna care? (laughs) No. I'm not gonna say it again. But come and have a go. I'm not afraid of you. We will be persecuted but what can persecution do if we already have the victory? Jesus told us we would be persecuted. He said, blessed are you who revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Hmm. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. And do you know what? That's what the apostles did in Acts 5, 40 to 41. They'd been out proselytizing. They'd been out preaching. They got told off. They got told not to. They carried on and they got arrested. They got told not to. They were threatened with their lives. An angel came, released them from prison. They carried on. They got brought back in. They got told off again. If you carry on, we're going to kill you. When they were released they were lashed 39 times i don't want you to imagine that i wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy with a great big wooden stick lashed on the back each of them 39 times there would have been blood there would have been pain there would have been suffering beyond anything we would ever feel today for what does it say they were rejoiced they rejoiced That they were worthy to have been persecuted in this way. And they carried on. Bring it on. When we see persecution, we see the kingdom grow. I'm supposed to be talking to you about Acts 6 as well. The second part of which Sue will be bringing up to you next week. But in the first part of Acts 6, it talks about delegated authority. It's a slight twist in... uh, in terms, but here we are, the new church, the New Testament church, and we're seeing signs and wonders and miracles, and people are coming to Jesus. Oh, they couldn't do it all themselves, could they? The disciples, the apostles, can you imagine? They were doing the preaching, the teaching, the discipleship courses, the alpha courses, the teas and coffees, the children's work, the worship practice. They were doing the lot got too much for them somebody started complaining you're not doing it well enough so we said okay we'll go and find seven spirit filled men we should delegate some authority to them do you know what happened after delegated authority it grew some more we as a church here we believe in eldership we have four elders in this church all present today as well 100 percent attendance record get in guys five if you count my friend just not an elder of this church we believe in elders, but we also believe in delegated authority. We believe that everybody has something to bring and everybody should be responsible for something. It's normally within your gifting. I'm going to leave it there today. I want to pray for you guys before we go. It's been, a, for some, I guess, a challenging message. For others, maybe not. But thanks for, your, uh, thanks for your time anyway. But I want you to think about how are we serving as individuals and as a church? How are we serving the kingdom? How are we seeing the world transformed? Do you remember that song? You've got the words to change a nation, but you're biting your tongue. Again, not endorsing the singer, just the song. You've got the words to change a nation, but you're biting your tongue. Let it go. Don't sing that song. Heavenly Father, I wanna thank you. your faithfulness i want to thank you that you created everything i want to thank you that you found a way back for us once we made our mistakes lord i want to thank you that you've given us instruction i want to thank you that you've given us a way to glorify you lord today we surrender all today we go into our little boxes in our hearts and we search out those things that we have not surrendered to you. Lord, if you choose to give them back to us, we'll be eternally grateful. Some of them, some of them maybe not. But Lord, we open those boxes and we give them back to you. And we say, Lord, we surrender all. Speak to us, guide us. As we head into this week, bless everybody here. Bless those that couldn't be amongst us, those who are feeling sick at the moment. Lord, we know that you are the God of healing we want to see your holy spirit wash over this whole community in jesus name amen